I'm Barbara Buchanan, and this is episode 20 of Tales from Weird Scotland. The stories told in Tales from Weird Scotland relate to the supernatural and may detail dark and distressing events from Scotland's past. For this reason, the podcasts are not recommended for listeners who may find such content upsetting. Something in the Air The Haunting of Montrose Airfield In February 1913, less than ten years after the world's first manned flight by the Wright brothers in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, The first operational military airbase in Britain was established by the Royal Flying Corps at Montrose on Scotland's east coast. It took several days for the first planes to be flown from the airfield at Farnborough in Hampshire to the new base. During the First World War, aircraft stationed here would protect Royal Naval bases from the Orkney Islands in the north to Rosyth in the south. And in the Second World War, Allied airmen from many countries were stationed here. Aircraft from Montrose, amongst other operational duties, helped to protect Scotland's capital, Edinburgh. The air station finally closed in the 1950s and has a rich aviation history. An unlikely place, you might imagine, for tales of the supernatural. And yet the air station is reputed to be haunted. The splendidly named Desmond Phelps Percy Lucius Studdart Arthur was born into a prominent family in County Clare, Ireland in 1884. Possessed of an adventurous spirit, Desmond was a devotee of the new pastime of motorsport and won a number of prizes in motor speed trial competitions. He joined the Army Motor Reserve as a lieutenant in 1908. But it was attending the first Irish aviation meeting two years later at Leopardstown Racecourse outside Dublin, where he met pioneering aviator Cecil Grace, that confirmed Desmond's desire to become a pilot. Flying was exciting, of course, but also dangerous and potentially deadly. Grace himself was to die a mere few weeks after their meeting when his plane was lost over the English Channel. Undaunted, Desmond completed his pilot trials on a Bristol Prior monoplane at Brooklands in England, gaining his Royal Aero Club certificate in the summer of 1912. In April 1913, he joined Number 2 Squadron of the Royal Flying Corps, based at Montrose Airfield, with the rank of Lieutenant. Many pilots who would go on to serve their country in both world wars made their maiden flights in the skies above Montrose, Not surprisingly, accidents and crashes were frequent amongst the brash young trainees eager to earn their wings. But Desmond was a skilled pilot and not regarded by his fellows as a daredevil or risk-taker. Around 7.30 on the morning of 27th May 1913, just weeks after his arrival at Montrose, Desmond was on a routine practice flight in a BE-205 biplane from the Montrose airfield at Upper Dysert, heading out over Lunan Bay. It was his second flight in this plane, the first had passed without incident. 45 minutes later, 
he had commenced his descent when at two and a half thousand feet the right wing of the aircraft snapped off and it plunged to the ground. Desmond was thrown from the plane and died on impact. He was found 160 yards away from the mangled fuselage, which was officially declared damaged beyond repair. Desmond had made a deep indentation in the ground and the fall had broken nearly every bone in his body. His death was the first at Montrose and had been witnessed by some of his comrades on the ground. He was buried in the nearby Sleepy Hillock Cemetery. The crash of an experienced pilot was met with shock and surprise. An inquiry began and a report issued by the Royal Aero Club's Accidents and Investigation Committee less than a month later found the cause to be an incompetent repair of a broken wing spar. Accidental damage had been shoddily repaired by an unknown mechanic to prevent detection before the aircraft was flown from Farnborough to Montrose. The matter did not end there. The following month, a government inquiry opened. A member of parliament complained of a whitewash, saying that the Secretary of State for War would not admit to the faulty repair. In the spring of 1916, one prominent aviator and member of parliament called for a judicial inquiry into the military and naval air service, stating that the incompetence or ignorance of senior officers of technical matters meant that certain officers had been murdered rather than killed by carelessness. Presumably Desmond would be in this category. An official investigation into the crash by a government committee in August 1916 came to a totally different conclusion to that of the Royal Aero Club. It found that the pilot was at fault and the crash a result of Desmond's dangerous flying. Was this a cover-up? to protect the military from criticism at a sensitive time in the war. A further inquiry reported back by Christmas 1916 and overturned the verdict of pilot error. It reinstated the faulty repair conclusion and importantly, Desmond's reputation. Desmond had now been dead for three years. But the dead do not always rest in peace, particularly if their death has been traumatic or if an injustice or murder has been done. By the time of the publication of the government report giving pilot error as the cause for the crash, few, if any, who would have known Desmond were still stationed at Montrose. However, it is at this time that there is the first sighting of a ghostly airman at the airfield. Major Cyril Foggin, a respected senior flying instructor, observed the ghostly figure dressed in flying gear and goggles, head towards the officer's mess of number two squadron. He did not report it, fearing he would lose his post. He would see it again another five or six times, sometimes swinging its flying helmet by its side. Although the airfield had moved to a new location nearby just after the crash, the figure was thought to be Desmond. The reason for this? The figure is seen at the mess for officers of number two squadron in which Desmond served, so it was supposedly someone entitled to be there. And Desmond's crash was well known. Although the ghost did not always pass beyond the door into the mess, it was seen sitting there on occasion, quietly reading what might have been flight papers. 
the number of sightings by other officers and flight instructors, including the station commander, increased. One even saw him sitting in a chair in his bedroom. When he challenged it, the ghost disappeared. Initially, those who saw the ghost kept quiet for fear of ridicule, but gradually word spread around the base. It became known as the Irish apparition, or the Montrose ghost. Not everyone was comfortable with it, and fear of the ghost caused guards to desert their posts and pilots to request transfer from Montrose. Was Desmond's spirit unable to rest while he was wrongly accused of causing the crash? Was he seeking justice? Was his appearance to remind some of his fellow airmen that they had seen the wing shear off from the plane? They would be able to testify to the mechanical problem and so eliminate any question of pilot error. Shortly after Desmond was exonerated from blame, sightings of the ghost ceased. It would not reappear until 1940. There was a rumour that the ghost was acting as a kind of guardian angel for air personnel, but others felt its presence was detrimental to the operation of the airbase. There was a story that if you felt a ghostly touch on your shoulder, your death would soon follow. But it appears that Desmond is not the only ghost at Montrose Airfield. From 1920 to 1936, the airfield was closed. Following its reopening, strange events were reported. Norrie Webster, an RAF policeman, heard footsteps one night when on patrol near Waldron Bridge on the airfield, but saw nobody making them. Another guard reported hearing the sound of footsteps and seeing a strange mist a few nights later when on patrol in the same location. Yet another witness met a man there in a flying suit one foggy night. The man passed him without a word. The witness realised later that the night was far too foggy for flying and nobody would have been there in a flying suit such as the one he saw. During the Second World War, Montrose was a busy, active airfield once again. Weird tales of different supernatural events were reported regularly. A confidential file was said to have been compiled on the various sightings by a major impi. Kept locked in a safe in the officer's mess, the contents of the file were suppressed for reasons of morale. Airmen are notoriously superstitious, and it was thought some might have been unsettled by the reported events. On 25th October 1940, the Luftwaffe attacked another nearby airbase, Montrose Town and Station, killing seven at the station. Around 7.20 in the evening, the officer's mess, the safe and the file on the ghost kept inside were destroyed by fire following the raid. Sadly, the details of the reports in the file are unknown and there is no record of Impey speaking of it. Could it have documented sightings of what was thought to be Desmond's ghost once again haunting the base? In 1940, a Hurricane aircraft from Montrose was in flight to challenge a German Heinkel plane reportedly prowling the skies nearby. The pilot didn't find it and had some difficulty in landing his plane, taking several attempts to do so. The pilot was furious, saying he had been prevented from landing by an old biplane being dangerously close. The station commander told him no one else was flying that night and what was more, 
there were no biplanes on the base. On another occasion, eight planes took off on a flying exercise. They returned safely, but a ninth plane landed behind them only to explode on the runway. Bizarrely, no wreckage was found and there was no record from any airfields nearby of one of their planes going missing. A trainee pilot named George Hogman lost his life in 1941. His ghost was reported to have been seen by his friend. Of course, his friend may simply have imagined this due to stress and grief. Well, again, perhaps not. It was not until 1942 that there was a considerable surge in occurrences. An unpopular flight lieutenant with a reputation for being harsh and overbearing with ground crew was fatally injured in a crash after an argument with a mechanic and putting him on a charge. It was rumoured that the mechanic might have tampered with the plane causing the crash. Soon afterwards, the dead flight lieutenant returned to haunt the site, being seen wearing a flight suit and goggles. Stories of an apparition were recounted by guards and were particularly prevalent in the Waldron Bridge area where there had been sightings in the years between the wars. The ghost or ghosts were kitted out in full flying gear, though some saw a figure in a white flying suit. There is speculation that this is the spirit of Major F.F. F. Waldron, who was killed in action in France in 1916. The bridge and the adjoining road were named after him, so there is some logic to this. The Nafi Canteen was located in a shack on the western edge of the airfield. It was an ideal place to get a cup of tea during the working day, and thirsty pilots in their flying gear regularly dropped in after a flight. Airman Alex Kettles was heading towards the shack with his friends when he heard a dreadful scream from inside. Rushing in, they found the Nathy girl who was on duty slumped unconscious on the floor behind the counter. She revived and explained what had happened. A few minutes before, she had raised the counter shutters when she heard a plane landing. Fully expecting the crew to come in in need of a cup of tea, she poured one in readiness. A pilot in full flying gear came in towards the counter. She held out the cup of tea to him, whereupon he vanished into thin air. The shock had caused her to faint. On 13th May 1941, a Polish airman named Wisław Osolkowski died on a training sortie, crashing close to the nearby town of Lawrencekirk. One night in 1942, two airmen confronted squadron leader Ovenden, asking who had been killed in the crash. He replied that there had been no crash. The two swore there had been a plane crash on the shore and the aeroplane had burst into flames. Was this a ghostly echo of Osolkowski's crash? After the war, the airfield became less used, its grass runways unsuitable for modern aircraft. Before it finally closed, it became exclusively a training base. But those stationed there continued to have strange experiences. In 1946, an experienced serviceman on guard duty had a frightening encounter. About 3 a.m., he was checking the area where a plane was standing, parked in between the morgue and the control tower. Suddenly, the morgue doors flew open and a man in the full flying kit of a flight lieutenant emerged. Shocked, the guard dropped his gun. The doors, which he knew to be locked as they had been checked earlier that night, slammed and the man was gone. 
It was later discovered that the morgue building had served a different purpose years before, and it was from here that the ghostly flight lieutenant had emerged to go on what would be his final flight. In May 1963, a well-known aviator and businessman, Sir Peter Macefield, had flown in his chipmunk aircraft to Inverness to give a talk on his experiences. Chatting with Air Force veterans after dinner, the conversation turned to the story of Desmond Arthur and the reported hauntings. One man added to it by explaining that a visiting flying officer from Farnborough who knew Desmond had seen the ghost sitting reading and had positively identified it as being him. Another man who spoke with an Irish accent and sat in the shadows contributed technical details of early aircraft based at Montrose. The next day, as Sir Peter prepared to fly home, the same Irishman appeared at the airfield and asked for a lift in Sir Peter's plane back to England. He agreed, and as they flew down the east coast, Sir Peter spotted an old biplane flying close to Montrose. He watched horrified as its wing collapsed and it spiralled to the ground. When he turned to speak to his passenger about it, the man had vanished. Seriously unnerved, he landed the plane at Montrose, only to discover that nobody on the ground had seen what he had. The date of the incident was 27th May, 1963, 50 years to the day since Desmond Arthur's fatal crash. Sir Peter recounted the tale in a magazine article a few years later. On close scrutiny, there seemed to be some anomalies in the story and inaccuracies relating to geography, but Sir Peter was a man of integrity and would be unlikely to have made the story up. In 1983, a group of enthusiasts formed the Montrose Air Heritage Trust and funds were raised to open a visitor centre. By 1992, the Montrose Air Station Museum was established with exhibits bought and displays made for the visiting public. As visitor numbers increased, so did reports of paranormal activity. Footsteps and voices were commonly heard. A ghostly black Labrador was seen and men in uniform glimpsed who couldn't be there. In 1987, a local woman was driving home on Rossi Bray, close to Montrose, when she spotted a World War II Hawker Hurricane aircraft above her. She recognised the aircraft immediately as her husband had a keen interest in aviation. It swooped so low she could see the rivets on the fuselage. She braked, but the plane vanished into the air. She then realised that although she had seen it, she had not heard any engine noise. RAF records confirmed that two hurricanes based at Montrose had crashed into the bay during the war. Although most people have experienced visual phenomena, there have been some incidents which have been heard. A museum volunteer named Ian Robb once heard the vintage phone ring in the former office of the commanding officer. When he answered it, a voice asked for help. And a vintage Pi radio, despite being unplugged and having no aerial, broadcast Winston Churchill and the music of Glenn Miller. Of course, the airfield has attracted the attention of mediums and ghost hunters with some mixed success. 
An Australian medium visited in 1990 and claimed one of the ghosts was actually a madman who liked to dress up as an airman. Another medium witnessed only the ghost of an airman begging for help. A film company carrying out a photo shoot around the old aircraft hangars captured the image of an unidentified figure standing at the rear of the scene, dressed in full flying gear. Grampian Television also captured the video image of a flyer near Waldron Bridge. A ghost club investigation of the site in 2005 produced no dramatic results, although noises like the clicking of billiard balls, knocks, and received communication from several spirits were heard. In the previous year, a door in the headquarters building opened twice by itself while the ghost club was on site. In 2008, a team from Paranormal Research Scotland visited the air station. They recorded the voice of a man who identified himself as Sergeant Jackson and also a Desmond, although they did not believe it was Desmond Arthur. Two years later, Glasgow Paranormal Investigators' overnight stay captured a variety of sounds, including voices, breaths, footsteps, and bangs. They appeared to have made contact with a group Captain Stapleton and heard unnamed voices claiming achingly, You have left us to die. And... In 2013, to mark the centenary of Desmond's death, a small group gathered at Sleepy Hillock Cemetery and a wreath was placed on his well-tended grave. Flowers and poppy wreaths are still placed there. Despite this, his ghost seems reluctant to leave the base, where he spent the last few weeks of his life. He has been sighted very recently in modern buildings, which have replaced structures in place during his time there. Paranormal activity is often reported in locations where emotions have run high and tragic events have occurred. These places retain an imprint of the past, a special atmosphere. History repeats itself on a kind of spectral loop. The ghosts of Montrose airfield are as much part of the place and its history as the tangible exhibits in the museum. Brave lives were lived and sometimes lost here through terrible accidents and acts of war. Some who were stationed here, like Desmond Arthur, may never leave, their spirits destined to roam where last they live. It is right that we remember them. That was Barbara Buchanan. This episode was written by Barbara Buchanan. It was recorded, produced, and radiophonically designed by me, Nick Cole Hamilton. This episode was suggested to us by a follower on YouTube. If you have any suggestions for topics, feel free to reach out. We are most reachable on Twitter. We are at TalesWeird. Weird spelled W-Y-R-D. This is a You Better Run Media production. Join us again soon for more Tales from Weird Scotland.